Broadcasting Network. Okay, welcome, podcasters. We've been away for a while. We're back, starting to do our music before we begin the uh, part of our show. And we're going to do um, a new band that came in, into jazz in the 20s and 30s was Count Basie. And they brought a very wonderful rhythm section in and uh, became um, one of the leading jazz bands um, in America. Anyway, here's Basie's Blues. One, two, one, two, three. Welcome to Life Lessons with Jim Carolla and Ray Oldhofer. podcasters we're back we've been off for a week right a week or two a week yeah and uh, we're ready to go again and we're continuing with this never-ending things to say about thing called love what is this thing called love and I'm, I'm saying that um, our world is in great need for a new understanding of love um, over the years, love had a lot to do with desire and having others take care of our cravings and securities of functioning. But we're talking about um, the long work of love. And love's never been, I'm going to say never, but that's, it's not been thought of, it's not thought of a work. It's thought of, you know, people get together and they... Um, Try to hash out a life together. It's only work after nine months. <laughs> <All right. laughs> 
nine months. After that, then it's, it's considered work, right? Yeah, then the work begins. So there's new way, a new way to help, to help another out, to help each other, in a in a, in a different way. And the way that you stay with it and don't give up maturely, as you uh, a premature giving up, the sustaining of love. Um, because of not being able to do the work of love, having a different vision of what it is. We search for an experience that can change our life, and love seems to fit that. Um, but but, but there's, a, there's, there's an evolution, and there's what I want to call a real work at it. So we've... In the past one, in our past <coughs> broadcast, we've talked about one one big obstacle is the idea of a pain body or unconscious material that comes up that we're not even aware of. Um, you know, when I was a young guy in my twenties and thirties, I played the nightclub circuit, and they had acts, magical acts, hypnotic acts, and I remember being in a nightclub in Philadelphia, forget the name of the magician, um, but what he would do is have people from the audience, and I was in the band, we kind of played the entrance of him and different background music for him. Would you guys mock him or anything or, or make fun of him, the magician? No. No? No, we weren't making fun of him. Um, and he called people from the audience to come up, and they kind of got in a circle, about nine or ten people, and he gave him a um, pre-hypnotic, I'm sorry, a post-hypnotic suggestion and an influence he would give. So, in other words, he would put them under and he would give them this post-hypnotic suggestion. And when they kind of, he snapped his finger and they were back to um, the reality of the show, um, then he would... Um, they, they didn't know what happened in the meantime, um, and they went back in the audience. But he gave them this hypnotic, pre, this post-hypnotic suggestion. So it could be anything. It could be when you leave the stage, you have a strong itch, and you must scratch it. And, um, or you begin to um, talk like a baby. I'm just saying things off the top of my head. But he gave them something that they weren't aware of. And then when they got back into the audience, they began to act it out. Jim, I got this scratch, and I feel a little like a baby. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing it now. You're doing it right now. Um, <laughs> now, that's something like what um, the pain body is. In this development kind of post-hypnotic uh, suggestions and behaviors were, um, happened to us, and then we took them into adult life, or it would be like the audience, and now we act them out. And that, um, uh, and and um, and we're not we're not aware of it, what's behind the acting out. And so the great part of couples' interactions and thinking comes from this unconscious, uh, post um, post hypnotic kind of pain body material. So that's one of our biggest obstacles. 
I got I got a lot of, a lot of that because um, you knew my mom and my mom was uh, well I'd say she was rather angry, especially in my youth. You know, there was a lot of screaming and yelling, and um, I see that I I bring that to my stuff, my day to day living. You know, I, I, I'm a screamer and I'm a yeller. And lately I've been, you know, really seeing it. Like I, I bring a, a, a tension, mm-hmm. you know, to things that are they're not necessarily mine. You know, it's generational. It's part of my pain body. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and I look for a fight. You know, I look for a tension or, a, you know, something, something along those lines. It's mm-hmm. my bread and butter. Yeah. Yeah, that's an example. And our podcast audience think of <coughs> traits that other people may point out to you or, or that you realize you have, but they're very strong. And even as we work uh, on them, um, they automatically come up in a very strong way. So this pain body with, uh, made up of thoughts, ideas, opinions of our ancestral uh, line um, gener- generation after generation, this material's been passed on, almost like a hypnotic suggestion. You know what I just noticed, Jim? Like when you're onto it or, or you talk about it and make it a little personal, like my hands are sweating now. Wow. You know? Mm-hmm. It's like you, you, you let something out, you let something be discovered about you that's not everybody really knows about. Yeah. So... You, and in doing that, you know, you're going to have a reaction. Yeah. Uh, you know, the right is like some, there's a symptomatology to part of it, too, that we as Ray's pointing out, there's a body reaction. In fact, there's a, a kind of a body armoring that can come from uh, some of those tendencies and traits where they actually get into the muscular and tissue of the body. You know, um, I had one in my family, my family uh, coming from Sicily, particularly my father's side. <coughs> How would I say it? In English, not Italian. Right, in English. It would be something like, we're doomed. Uh. <laughs> uh, no matter what happens, no matter if it looks like you're heading somewhere or you might have a little luck, in the end... This evilness, this doom will come. So you guys carried around post-apocalyptic in yeah. the family. Like post-apocalyptic. Any painting that came into the house was gray. Mm-hmm. Any, that's what you guys had. Yeah, that's a way of saying it. Yeah, that it was there, could easily come out. And even if things were, seemed to be going well, we're waiting for the big letdown and, the, and this thing about being doomed. Um, now, you know what? Yeah. That's funny you say that. You know, I, 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 I know your son rather well. He's got a little of that in him. Oh. You know. Really? Yeah, yeah, he does. I don't know if he's cognizant of it like this, but yeah, that, uh-huh. that's funny that that popped in my head. Mm. Must have been from his mother's side. I don't now, you that. just confessed <laughs> that it was from your side, buddy. <laughs> you should have seen his mother's side. Uh. They were really doom addicts. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. They had something else. Um, yeah, another thing about them, about the, of the uh, pain body, that it's racial and national, too. In other words, 
it's, it's racially. People have it. They have racial ideas, how the blacks are treated and the Jews and really in Hitler and that world when that came from, a real racial prejudice. So it can be racial, it could be national. Um, all, some nations, nations have it. In other words, it's a big deal. It's not just individual. It's collective. It's, um, it's, it's collective in the culture. Yeah, think of any sports team you're into and why. Hmm. Sports, yeah. Maybe, how, how did you mean that? Well, I mean, you know, the people are avid fans of whatever, you know. Like anybody pretty much across the board who's a true Raider fan can't really have that high of an IQ, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. <laughs> You're agreeing? Absolutely, I agree. So you got, you got, it, you got it across the board in a lot, many different sports. Mm-hmm. And besides that, if you, I played football for many years. You know, I, I, I rarely watch it now. I mean, I watch it for an escape and because I do still love the game, but I'm not sporting around. You know, it's got that mentality to it. Mm-hmm. You know, you have an armor with your team. You know, figuratively and literally, you band together with that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying there's not some bright Raiders fans out there. So, you know, if mm-hmm. you see me or something, don't go, you know, hey, I'm a Raider fan and hit me. I'm mm-hmm. saying it. Uh, well, there's uh, no bright Raiders his fans name's out there. Ga- his name's Gary, yeah. not Ray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gary Smith. Feel free. Blast me on Twitter, but there's no <laughs> smart Raiders fans out there. But it's, it's you know, it, it goes everywhere. I mean, and then... I heard the best line, I remember I was watching um, the CBS News like overnight or something, and they had Louis Farrakhan on, who was the head of the, um, I forget, like Islamic Nation, black guy, right? Eloquent, too. And he goes, his quote was, supposedly the black man and the Jewish man have an alliance. He goes, the only alliance the black man and the Jewish man have is the tenant-owner alliance. <laughs> and I, was just, I went like, Wow! So, I mean, there you have Nation of Islam or whatever he headed uh-huh. up. Now you all got that. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear what he said? Let's jump on that. Now, what was a, a tenant, would you say? Tenant owner. You oh, know, tenant. like I'm renting off of you. Oh, You're yeah. the owner. That, that discrepancy I there, you know. I and I, I heard that and I was, I was, first of all, I thought it was the greatest line ever. I mean, funny because I thought that was funny. But then when you look a little bit under that, it's, that's powerful stuff being laid out. You know, yeah. and that's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's an interesting part about the pain body. It just By the way, Jim, what's, what's your team? Um, Uh-oh. Well, it used to be the Philadelphia Athletics. Before and, they became the A's? Became, yeah, before they became the A's. I mean, the, um, what are they now? They're Oakland? They're still the Athletics. Oakland, Oakland Athletics. Oakland Athletics, yeah. Yeah. Connie Mack. Nobody even remembers those names. Connie Mack's um, basketball, though. You're switching sports, right? No, no. Connie Mack, he was 90 in those days. So it was very, uh, he owned a team as well. Oh, okay. Connie Mack. Um, yeah, he's not known today. Um, okay, let me see. I'm thinking of that team. Right field, Elmer Vallo. Center, center field, um, Ford Garrison. Let's see, right field, oh. Left God. field, you got a left field now. Yeah, okay. He came back from the war. They had the, the war years, the teams, you know. 
when they, the Warriors took all the boy, baseball players. Ted Williams. Uh, he was away, too, mm. yeah, for Boston. Um, the infield was um, a loaded Johnny uh, early. He was a second baseman, came from South Philadelphia. Uh, Ferris Fane played first. <laughs> Wait, the guy that played first, his name was First? No. <laughs> Ferris Fane. Ferris Fane was a great first baseman. Daryl loaded Johnny. Shortstop was Wallace C. And third base, I can picture him right now. I don't know if I can remember him anymore. Um, and uh, Hayes caught. Uh, Bobby Hayes was the catcher. These were in the 40s. Bobby, remember that lineup? That's, that that's crazy. I'm you know impressed. what? If you, want, if you want to know more about that lineup, we can... Um, Go check out Amazon. Oh. Hey, everybody. If you shop at Amazon.com, like I don't, but you probably do, you know how convenient it is, and you know what great deals you get always. If you want to support the show, and I hope you do, every time you shop at Amazon, use the Amazon link on our site to get there. You support us with every purchase. You can even bookmark it, and we really appreciate it. Unbeatable convenience, amazing prices, great shipping rates. I love Amazon.com just because they support us, and I hope you do too. So please do. Thanks, Amazon. Is this 1940s athletics? Yeah, 30s, and um, let's see, 40s is when more I picked it up. But some of those same players, they were around for a long time. Um, and then, Wait, were you devastated when they moved to Oakland? Um, well, by that time, but they, they moved to Oakland much later. Um, so uh, then things changed. Wait a minute. Now, if your son knew you were dropping sports knowledge right now, do you know that he might have an aneurysm? <laughs> that's pretty, that's impressive. Tell him I know the A's line up during the war years from 41 to 45. Um, I, I know the, I remember the lineup. What about other sports? Were you into football or basketball? Yeah. Football, the Eagles, Philadelphia Eagles. Wait, do you remember when they were the um, in the war? I think they were the they were a combo of the Steelers and Eagles. They were the Steagles. Do you remember that? No, no, they weren't. No, that's not right. No, they that were, is right. They were the Steagles for a minute. A minute, maybe. Uh, more than a, no, like a okay, a year or something. I watch NFL films. Um, Do you remember the Steagles at all? No, that name means nothing to me. And I watched the Eagles all through the... The television was just um, being born. Um, wow. At the beginning. I remember they played in a tremendous snowstorm. They played the, the Chicago Cardinals in the snowstorm. Steve Van Buren was the quarterback. Now, is that name that, that, Yeah, that's a classic name. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'd just like to step in and make sure we vindicate Ray. The Steagles were a team in 1943 because both teams had lost too many players to the war. Mm -hmm. But officially, the Steagles was a nickname. Officially, they were called the Eagles without any city designation. So they were the... Oh. You probably watched that team. <laughs> so it was just for the one year in 1943, but that is, that is true, and yeah. Ray obviously does like him some NFL films. Yes. Frankly, who doesn't? Wow, so that, that, that was 1943, the Steagles. How about that? Okay. Um, 
Yeah, Adam would be very surprised to know I, mean, I could ever remember all that. Um, so we're trying to see relationship in a different way. What is the deepest purpose of the work of living together um, within the embrace of love? Much deeper than just our functional life, which is very important. Um, so we're trying to find um, uh, uh, a kind of a new vision of a possibility of people being together. Well, give um, us an example of a new vision, please, if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, first place, as they come together, they realize that r- rather than just um, putting our desires and cravings on them, um, which we do unconsciously from the pain body, that, and let me give you an example of that. If I crave egoic recognition from the world, I will crave it from you. See, that's one part of the couple talking to the other. If I crave the world's pity, I will crave it from you. If I crave the appearance of success, I will crave it from you. In other words, now we have these things, um, these cravings created by the early development, and we're going to put that craving into the relationship. I love that you said the appearance of success. The appearance of success. That's yeah. that's that's heavy duty. I like that. Yeah, and um, and a new version would be that the couple begins to realize that they begin to realize that there's a lot of material coming down that um, has to do just left over from things unfinished, and that we would like to go further than that. So we are an embryonic souls immersed in a body-educated educated body being pulled along by a starved, lonely horse called the emotions. Look at that come. For a couple to realize that. Wow. An embryonic possibility, a soul um, in a... In a a kind of a, Jim, you're going to have to give everybody out there a couple of beats to gather their head. <laughs> um, all being pushed along by a lonely horse called the emotions. Um, so the couple then realizes that there's something more. There's something more than just the old vision. That um, we're going to try to be with each other in a different way. So... What can we, we begin to ask the questions, what can we honor in each other beyond the call of passion, beyond habit? What can we cherish in each other or other than just um, the usual physical and mental well-being? How can we go beyond that? When we are in love, we are in a part of ourselves that has been separated from the rest of us. The love, at the beginning love, has us go forward in a way that it becomes almost separate from the old. Um, uh, we have energy. Um, and now we have to find how we're going to uh, work with that when, when the, that energy calms down 
and that passion quiets down, um, this other material um, begins to come. We so, all know that one, boy. Yes. Yeah, that, you're, you're going to go see somebody new or something. I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. Cloud nine, let's go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Three minutes in, want to go back home and watch TV. I'm mm-hmm. just kidding. Now, that, that energy is, um, that's funny that you say it, it's separate from the rest because it really is. Yeah. yeah it has a real force to it. Yeah. So, the apprenticeship of love. It's almost as though anything in life that you're learning, and um, we don't realize we go through all different levels. And one is the apprenticeship of love. There's, there's, there is work, there's things to learn and work to do. Uh, a, a couple uh, comes to understand that there's a possible self-transformation in their work together. They actually begin to see that, that there's something more than just um, the craving, the desire, and the egoic personality, and uh, uh, just the security of trying to be secure with each other. Um, so this is a new vision. This vision is calling for work. It's calling for a therapy if it's needed, any kind of help from the outside. It's saying that we're not just together by these accidents and the momentum of our fears and continuing right on like our mother and fathers. Um, we have a possibility of a real creativity uh, in our love. But it's very difficult because it's coming across the deep well of craving and um, misunderstandings. And whatever my mother was never able to say to my father is inside me, and vice versa. What my father, or my mother, my, my father never said to my mother, I have inside me. You know, as we listen to our parents talk and quarrel and go through all things, we listen with the, also with the idea that something could be different in their quarreling, that maybe my father should say this to her. Maybe he should tell her to stop hollering. You know, whatever. Um, now, as we think, I think when my parents argued, <coughs> it scared me. And I tried to get in between. I tried to divert them. I didn't want it to go any further. Um, I was so anxious. And I felt if, if they could just now put their attention on me or if I could break the circuitry of how they're coming at each other, uh, it worried me. Now I'm wondering, for you, Gary, did you ever, in the family, when families had difficulty, do you remember having a concern about it? <coughs> uh, sort of, but I've always had a there's always been an unwavering knowledge of, of support and uh, consistency with my family. So it certainly, when, when something like that tumultuous or something like that happens, it throws me, but it, it doesn't worry me, I guess. I, so, so you much. remember that as a kid? 
that you might have been thrown, you might have not liked it at the time, but it somehow didn't have a... Um, I didn't have a fundamental fear that anything was going to break down. It was, this is this is an issue for now, and it's not something I like, I'm not happy, but time marches on and it will go back to normal. Was so there was a basic security that even though things are not going well now, it's not going to threaten the foundation of the family. Okay. That's that sounds like a nice way to grow up, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm very, very blessed. Yeah, I remember my parents would argue and such, and then um, then you'd always hit them up the next, or I would, you know, so what's going on? You know, what happened last night? What were you guys arguing about? And um, we weren't arguing. Oh, really? What were you doing then? We were discussing things. <laughs> That's what they'd say. You discuss loudly. You know. I, got, I got that one, too. <laughs> and I always thought it was ridiculous. I'm like, listen, I've heard discussions before. Yeah. We've been around you for the last nine straight years. That's not normal. That's uh, some discussion. So they denied it in some way. Or, you know, yeah, or, you know, didn't want you privy to whatever was going on. When they, they denied the impact, too, then, if they did that. No, if they're saying, oh, why do you call that? You call that arguing? Uh, they some way, in other words, they doubted. Uh, we, we at that moment, let's say the three of us, could have doubted our own interpretation of it. Um, it's an interesting one. So, yeah, or then like the mom, why are you sleeping on the couch? That kind of thing happened, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm. So, and then, you know, I grew up with three brothers, so you also had the, uh, you know, the chaos factor. And then when things got a little dicey, then they would even get, you know, thrown up a notch or two mm-hmm. to, you know, yeah. breaking holes in the walls and, you know running around, you know, the status quo for a boy in the house thing, which isn't really status quo, but never got too dicey. Yeah. So today, folks, as we're coming to the end, I see our time coming to the end today. Um, We've continued with love, and we need to know if this interests you. You know, people, when we thought the show was going off the air, a lot of people came to our aid and said, no, we want this to go on. But then they stopped. In other words, they didn't follow through with anything. And so we still want to know if you're out there and uh, if love, what love means to you, what relationship means to you, what, what did you see in your own family, what model of relationship did you grow up with in life? And you can contact us and send us those stories at Jim Carolla at adamcarolla.com via email or on Twitter at LLWJC or now on Twitter, our own Ray Oldhofer at Ray Oldhofer, O-L-D-H-A-F-E-R. Yeah. And ask us some questions, you know. I mean, Jim. Yeah, tweet us your questions. Yeah, tweet, tweet us the questions and we'll answer them on the air. If you don't want it to be personal to identify you personally, you can... Do it anonymously. Or either way, it would be fine. But we would have questions we would work with. And that's, you know, this is a very, I think this is an important topic. It is to me. Um, so we're trying to see, is it important to you? And, and don't, don't be scared. I mean, I, I, 
I know that, that a lot of the stuff Jim says or he's bringing can be rather overwhelming, but, you know, stick your toe in the water and, and try it out. Please. We'd be really grateful. Okay. So here we go. We're heading out now and um, looking forward to hearing from you and being part of the discussion. You'll be part of it rather than just the audience. And we'd like to have you. Uh, Number four, make the quarter note feel good. One, two, Uh, one, two, three. Okay, folks, this is our kind of theme song. Um, uh, We covered today what we call the the work of love. About the sustained love and to be able to go to important places with people. You have to go through almost like that. Uh, growing up an apprenticeship in love. Um, and that love is just not taking care of our desires and cravings. It's wanting to go on a search and find truth, deeper truth together. And we're calling that a new version of love. And we'll continue. Let us hear from you. Okay, bop, bop, dee, bop. Job, bop, doo, day, rah, bop, bop, bop. Okay, here comes another one now. Okay, audience. Uh-oh. <laughs> Our boy is getting better and better at it. Okay. Okay, folks. Then we're going to kind of, I think we'll come to the end. There's one more chorus. Let's see. Here we go. Yeah. I think this is our final ending. Okay, so hope hope to hear from you and to see you next week. Oh, got another one. Oh, hi. Um Reach the show on Twitter at LLWJC. Or email us at jimcarolla at adamcarolla.com.
You're listening to the Ace Broadcasting Network.